We're going to continue this morning in this uh, three-week, I believe, sermon series um, called The Fight of Your Life. And if you weren't here last week, I tried to um, convince us together that we're in a uh, a spiritual battle. I told you that uh, I I had toyed with the idea of calling this the battle for your souls um, or they end up calling it the fight of your life because it's such a big, huge deal. And, and I'm not going to reiterate everything I said last week, but, I, but just suffice to say that I believe that we are, all of us, um, in the fight of our lives, and we don't often recognize that. We don't often identify that properly, and therefore we often don't actively participate in the fight. Um, a sure way to lose a fight is to not participate in the fight. Um, and so, uh, so we want to talk about that. Last week we talked about um, literally this image from boxing where you would have someone who was no longer defending themselves and just getting pummeled and you would just go, get your hands up, get your hands up. And so last week was really about identifying the truth that we are in a fight, that we have an adversary and that their, their desire, the adversary's desire is uh, to sever the relationship we have with the Lord, with God. Like that's the ultimate goal and um, it's good to know what your enemy's ultimate goals are and uh, we made that uh, case last week. Um, I hope that you understand that, and that this is, this is meant to equip us, the saints, um, to fight well. That's the goal here. That we would not be surprised or caught unaware or completely blindsided. And I, I know a lot of Christians who are, that they just go, why is it so hard? Life shouldn't be this way. Why, why is there so much sin in my own life or in the lives of those around me? And why do these things go sideways all the time? But we should not be surprised because there is certainly an adversary who is out um, to to try to win the fight. And so today we want to kind of take that next step then. Last week we kind of talked about the idea that, you know, you get your hands up, but this week I'm going to talk about hitting back, right? Um, I love that we ended last week on this idea of to stand. And so we're going to kind of walk carefully here, but the, at, at the end of the day, what I pray is that we walk out of here with some, some tools and some equipping that would let us engage in the fight as believers in Jesus Christ. That we would not continue to be victimized by an enemy who is out for our destruction, but we could enter the fight of our lives. That we could not only do that. And so that's, that's the prayer today. Um, we want to we do what we always do. We want to pray um, as we get into God's word. So I'm going to ask we stop right now and do it um, and, and just pray for divine wisdom for all of us, for you and for me, that the Lord would speak. I believe he's capable and willing and interested. I hope you are too. So pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, for the word you have for us today, I pray that you would uh, give it to us in your grace and mercy, um, not because of our asking, but because of your benevolent love for your people, that you would instill the truth into our hearts, that we could believe it in our minds and we can actually live it out. Um, Father, that we, we confess to you today as we enter into your word that we have no wisdom of our own. We have no right to even ask for any of these things. And yet in your grace, you say you will give it to us. In the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, you bestow your blessing upon your people. And so today we come as your people to ask, would you give it to us? Would you help us to see clearly what your word says and live it out in our lives um would you help uh help us to do that and father i pray that the things that i say today are filtered through your holy spirit the things that are heard today are filtered through your holy spirit that we might know truth in our hearts that no one need instruct us that we could live the abundant life you promised us in jesus christ may you be glorified as we follow you together as we obey you as we submit to you And we pray this 
In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the people of God, I'll say, amen. That's right. Um, so we talked last week about this idea of even knowing uh, you're in a fight. And, and we talked about some of you who don't really care for fighting at all, um, don't really like to see a fight, get uncomfortable in a fight or whatever. Um, but how many people here love an underdog? Any underdog lovers? You know what an underdog is? An underdog is the person that you just think there's no way they have a shot here. And by the way, let's just expand this beyond just the fighting analogy, but have you ever gone in, are you the kind of person that when you walk into a contest, whether it be football or baseball or um, anything, you know, like fighting, I guess golf could be that way, I don't know, like the golf, like you see the number 28 seed guy beat the number three guy and like the second round you're like what like who gets excited about that kind of stuff the underdog fighter yeah i don't know man like that to me always i i try not to but i find myself always rooting for the underdog always rooting if i turn on a boxing match halfway through and one guy's getting beat i'll be like come on dude you can do it <laughs> you know get in there get in the fight um, there's something about that desire to see the underdog come back that is in all of us. It's, it's in us, isn't it? Sometimes when the established order of things go down the way they should, you go, okay, that makes sense. That's how the, the, the number one seed team is supposed to win, the, the best fighter is supposed to win. But there are times where you see the opponent getting beat, and you're like, come on, yeah. And you start to see the fight turning. You're like, yeah, he's in the fight. The music swells, you know what I'm saying? And the narrative changes, and suddenly the loser is becoming the winner. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And that gets people excited, and that gets people um, unified. Um, many times we will actually begin to cheer for the underdog who's getting beat to beat someone else, you know? Like, now that you have the upper hand, finish him, you know, as the old game used to say, right? Um, end it. I want to remind you of something else that we talked about from Scripture last week, and it is this idea that I already laid out to you that, um, that uh, the enemy's desire is not to ruin your um, life. That's interesting, actually. Um, the enemy's desire is to get you to not worship God anymore. I think it's important to understand that when we're in this fight of our lives. That the enemy's desire is not to ruin your life. The enemy's desire is to find a way to draw you away from the God who loves you. Sometimes that is through persecution, and sometimes that's through lack of persecution, Right? Um, I shared this with you last week, the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to turn there. I'm going to have both these on the screen for you so you don't necessarily have to turn there. But um, this is in Matthew 4, uh, verse 9. And we, we shared this last week, but I want to go back to it for just a second. Matthew 4, uh, verse 9 uh, says this. Satan is tempting the Lord here. The devil is tempting the Son of God. He says, all this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. And we talked about it last week, right, that that's how it would work. So, so I wanted you to see that both, we said that last week, right, that, that Satan's desire is that we would um, worship anyone but God, really. His desire is we worship him, but really anyone but God. And Jesus' own rebuke in this manner is that he says, no, um, the word says 
to worship God and God alone. So I wanted you to see that both the um, desire of the enemy and the solution that Jesus Christ himself brings is that it is this relationship with God, which is what I'm going to push on today. It's this relationship with God that becomes the, um, the final goal in all of this gospel talk. It's the final uh, plan. And, and so I wanted us to see that. I didn't want to take that last week and go, oh, that, that was it. So here's how, here's how Jesus hits, hits back right? And we're not going to talk about that a whole lot, but there's, there's, Jesus could have done a whole bunch of things here to rebuke the devil. And this is what he says, no, no, no. Don't you know what's written? Worship God only. He's worthy of our worship. I want to say to you again that the enemy's desire is that we would, we would distance ourselves from the relationship with God. Um, some ways that I, I, we talked about this last week, some ways that I see this happening is that um, we believe the lie and we end up all alone in our fight. We end up all alone, right? Or um, uh, we, we believe the enemy more than God, which is crazy, but that's what we end up doing, you know? Or we find ourselves in sin, or we find ourselves being sinned against, or we find ourselves in persecution or hardship, or we find ourselves in abundance and luxury, and the result of whatever state that is causes us to stop worshiping God. You see? That's the end game for the enemy. And Jesus says, no. We're only called to worship God. We're only called to worship him. So much of the letters that Paul writes to the churches is about encouraging them to continue to worship God no matter what, to continue to pray to God no matter what, to continue to be in what? Relationship with God no matter what. The enemy's desire is that you would sever your relationship with the God who made you. That's the only way he wins. And he only wins if you lose. That's how that works. And so I wanted us to see that Jesus himself, the solution that he, he offered is no. Worshiping God is the only way to live life. I'm going to talk more about that. Isn't it, um, by the way, though, isn't it interesting that this, that, that this is the first time we hear this, only time we hear this really in Scripture, and it happens after Jesus begins his um, journey following God. That's interesting to me, right? He's born of a virgin, he lives a sinless life, but here when he's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and sent out, right? He says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. The Spirit descends like a dove. He's sent out by the Spirit into the desert, and the enemy comes at that moment. That's what I'm saying, right? Fight of his life, right there. Coming out of the desert, Jesus is in it. So, what I really wanted to come to today and, and talk to you about, because I was praying, church, for us, and I was praying for the battle and what, we, what it looks like, really, and the goal, if I hear nothing else today, hear this, the goal is to maintain relationship with God at all costs. All that you can do to maintain relationship. He's offered it to us just to continue to stay in the fight with him, to not quit on God. And, and Paul, in, uh, we're going to look, this is where we work from Ephesians today, so if you would turn to Ephesians, let me see if I can pull it up here, uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. 
This is a letter that church, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. We're going to spend some time here. But this is the word that really, to me, is the final word on how we're to fight the spiritual battle. And this is what Paul says. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit in the two, okay? We were the first to hope in Christ for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, all for the praise of his glory. Right? Paul's making a case here, and he's like, we were the first to believe the good news of Jesus, but you also were included in him when you heard the gospel, right, the good news, the truth, and you believed in him, in Jesus. This is the moment that matters for all eternity. This is the moment, though, that you enter into this fight of your life. Um, this is the, uh, the, Paul here roots us in, affirms who we are in Christ in this verse. Having heard the word that does not lie. Having heard the word that does not lie. You see, the problem with so much of the fight is that the, the enemy is a liar and lying to us, but God is a teller of truth. You know, and so whenever God says, you have a sin problem, I have a sin problem, we have a sin problem. But more than that, when God says that Jesus, my son, is the solution to your sin problem, Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. And all around us, the noise and the clamor comes up to say, no, there's something else, some other way. Something else can be done about this. No, the word, I love this, it says, when you heard the word that does not lie, doesn't lie absolute truth there's no lies found in it and then what's the second thing you believed the good news uh, I want to read it from the word again the gospel of your salvation the good news of our salvation in Jesus this is the word of truth to us okay and so we have this gift and we can believe and know, listen, that the God desires good for us and that he desires our ultimate redemption. That's what the fight's about. Many times we make it about less than that, you know? It's about what's happening right now today. But the battle is for our souls. The battle is for our souls. And the reality is that um, we are in this conflict and ever deepening, it seems to me, conflict with the enemy of God. Next word here. Having believed, past tense, you've believed the good news that is salvation to you. You've already believed it. And so all this stuff, you might go, okay, that's great, Bill. So fantastic. So we know there's an enemy. We know he doesn't, he's a liar and doesn't want what God wants. We know God's a teller of truth. The word of our salvation has come to us, and we believe that's awesome. But here's, man, where I find hope for the relationship and hope that endures is that the word says that in that moment, having believed, we were already sealed with the Spirit. That's a huge deal right there. 
We were sealed. And we've talked about that family Bible church before, the idea of a seal, what it means to be kind of, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. You know what I mean? Like to be, have another destination, to have your route changed forever. Like you are sealed. And you have to understand that as a fact, as you enter into this fight, you have an assurance that's eternal. The way I think of this, and the seal, by the way, is the promised Holy Spirit is what the word says. Isn't that what it says right there? You were, uh, you were marked with a seal or you were sealed, is what the actual Greek says. It doesn't say marked. It says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Guaranteed. So I think this is the most important thing to understand in your relationship, in your sin struggle, and if you're not struggling with sin, I would love to talk to you because, like, it's everywhere, right? And, and I would think that if we're not struggling with sin, we're not really seriously engaged in the fight. <laughs> we're not really paying attention, you know? We're being overrun by the enemy. One of the um, blessings and difficulties in having eyes to see and ears to hear is that we find ourselves, we begin to see the world the way God sees it. We'll talk more about that later. But here, in this moment, we have this promise, the seal of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the, the idea here of guaranteeing means this. It means a promissory note. Um, it means a down payment. Think of it that way. Um, but I want to kind of articulate that a little more, and I want to encourage you with this, right? That the gift of the Holy Spirit to us in this life, the promised Holy Spirit of God, is that... Um, is that we have a foretaste of what's coming, but it's not here yet, you know? We, we, we know there's something better coming. We've, 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 we've glimpsed it, man. We've, we've tasted it. We've, we've heard the whisper, and that's enough to know our inheritance is sure. Another way I like to think of this myself is that the Holy Spirit is like an anchor on the other side of the finish line. And no matter what storm comes your way and what battle is being fought, when you seek the Lord, when you talk to the Lord about your struggles, he says, my Holy Spirit is in you and you are guaranteed an inheritance. You are going to the kingdom of God. Sin will lose. Christ has won. This is the seal of the Holy Spirit. A promissory note from the only person who always keeps his promises, the Lord himself. And this is what Paul says here to the church. He says, hey, you were sealed with the Spirit, a deposit that guarantees our inheritance until the full redemption of God's possession. We have this Holy Spirit gift. I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, and I have heard people say, and I want to just for a second talk about the Holy Spirit and how we fight, you know, because um, there's some stuff, about the, some of the ways we see people live out the Holy Spirit that makes us uncomfortable, right? I don't know if you've been around people who make you uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. Um, I've been around some folks because I sense a lack of truth in it sometimes. Uh, is that fair to say in church? <laughs> like, I've seen people who, 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 you know, and I'm not saying I know more than they do, but I just sense it's not the, the, the absolute truth what's being communicated the Holy Spirit is. And yet, it doesn't mean that we don't have this helper in our lives. I, I've, I've known brothers and sisters who've gone off the deep and the way and say, well, th there's people who are abusing this idea of the Holy Spirit, so therefore the Holy Spirit has stopped. God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope we're not up 
on our own here. I don't believe that's true. As a matter of fact, um, I will share with you Jesus' words. I have them on the screen here uh, from the Gospel of John, I believe, John 16, 7. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. In the middle of this great prayer for unity, in the middle of this great commissioning of the, the disciples and the kingdom that is coming, he says this, Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him, the counselor, to who? You, all of you. We know the story about the Holy Spirit falling in the book of Acts. We know this story, right? Acts 2. But this is the promise that when Paul says the promised Holy Spirit, it's here in Jesus' own words. Perikletes is the Greek, if you care to know. And it means someone who is with you and announces things. I love that. Someone who is with us and announces things. The paraclete, the, um, the counselor, the wise one. And what that means for us is in the middle of our sin fight, in the middle of our battles, we have someone in our corner. Have you ever, have you ever seen a, a professional fight? They have a corner man. They might have a couple of corner men, right? And the dude who's in the fight is just, you know, he's just giving it and he's getting it and he's all messed up. And you need someone there to explain what's happening. And, and that's the paraclete. Keep your guard up. Keep fighting. Move to the left. Hit him with the jab. The one that announces what's happening to us. Don't be surprised when you have trouble in this life. Those are Jesus' words. But take heart, I've overcome the world. See, we have this one who Jesus promised to us that's going to help us in the fight, and it's a shame if we would ignore that. If we would just be like, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, I got my salvation ticket punched. I'm going to heaven, and I'm, I'm fine. You're in a fight. I'm in a fight. And the Holy Spirit is a corner man, the one who is near and calling out for us and calling out to us. I love that. In the middle of the fight, the Holy Spirit's interceding, fighting with us, fighting on our behalf. Um, all right. And then the last thing it says here is that the, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the assurance of our inheritance in the Lord. So in this eternal battle, and I'm just telling you, because I know brothers and sisters who are wore out, man, and they're like, I'm not sure how much more I can take, that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have the eternal promise. And we just live in that space of saying, I have the eternal promise. I can fight another day. I heard it said one time, someone said, um, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. You ever heard somebody say that? That's all right, because God won't give you more than you can handle, you know? No, God won't give you more than he can handle, but there's probably more than you can handle right now. That's how my life is. It's more than I can handle right now, God. And so God, but God's got it. You see, you got that paraclitis, that Holy Spirit that's saying, no, we are going to the kingdom. So we can fight then another day. It's not more than we can handle. It's only more than I can handle. With God, anything's possible. So we have this guarantee, um, this anchor of eternity. Uh, and there's another place that um, Paul shares this, and it's in the book of Galatians, right? And I talked about this, but this is kind of that second 
thing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this today, but I do want to mention it, that the first is to recognize the Holy Spirit is with us in the fight, and the second is that the call we have as the church is to walk around in the Spirit of God, and we will not gratify the sinful nature, and the sinful nature is against God. That's the truth. So when you're in the real fight, we talked last week about some of the real fights we face in life, that you choose to willingly walk around in the Spirit. That's how we live our lives. We walk in the Spirit of God. And if we do that, we will not gratify the sinful nature. Now, that doesn't mean we won't do the things that we, we feel, you know, temptation and stuff, but we, we will do the things that are honoring to God that we're called to do. If we walk in the Spirit, in the fight, we will honor God. So that's what we're called to do, walk on the Spirit. All right. Now we're going to go to the end of the book of Ephesians as Paul wraps up this letter. And this is going to be Ephesians 6. And there's a couple things that um, I wanted to share with you here. So you can turn there if you would, Ephesians 6. Uh, Starting in verse 10, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. If my pages quit blowing around on me. Let's see here. All right, so you've heard this before, but I, I just want to kind of walk this out for a minute in this idea of how we fight. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, right? This is this kind of wrapping this up, you know, starts at the beginning. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, now wrapping it up. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We've heard those words last week. Because our struggle, and this is what I want to talk about for a minute, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Holy cow. You read that verse and you're like, okay, so now I get the scope of the fight I'm in. We can think the fight is about something so trivial. Well, this is just my little problem or whatever. And then you read this verse, and Paul says, no, the reason you, we need to put on the armor of God, we need to stand firm in Christ, is because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a simple human problem that we can solve. Instead, Paul makes the case that the, the fight we have is against rulers. By the way, I love the word struggle here. It means to wrestle. It means to fight. Like it's the same thing, right? The struggle we have is against rulers, right? Those who would choose, would believe they can assert um, their dominion over us. Authorities, those who would say they have a claim to us. The powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This blows me away. We, we realize the scale and the scope of the fight that we're in. Um, and in some ways, the fight is so much bigger than us, and it's not even about us. It's not even about us. I believe that the truth is this, that as God's creatures, as his created people, we are in the middle of an epic battle between God and God's enemy. We're like collateral damage in the middle. And once we enter into the fray, we enter into the fight, we're fair game. We're included. And the battle is real, and the battle is eternal, and the battle is huge. And this is all of a sudden the reason why things that we make so flippant um, are are eternally um, heavy, right? They matter forever. 
They matter forever. This is why in our, um, in our sin struggle, and I don't know if you do struggle with sin, but one of the ways our culture right now deals with sin is to remove the God part of the equation. If you can remove God and righteousness and all that, then you can do away with sin. Um, but there's nothing found in the Bible that says anything like that's true. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that if there's anything that's um, being preached that's a better gospel, it's a lie. Because only God can solve this eternal problem we have. All right, picking it back up in verse 13 then. I just want to walk this out. Therefore, why? Why does he say therefore? Because it's a huge fight that we can't possibly win on our own. Therefore, for that reason, put on the full armor of God. You might have heard the armor of God preached before. I'm not going to preach it that way, I don't think. I just want to talk to you about it practically in this fighting context, right? But it says, therefore, because it's a huge fight, put on the form of God so that when the day of evil comes, it's coming, you may be able to stand with, stand your ground, and I love this, and after you have done everything in your power, stand. Right? Remember last week with the verse we said, stand against the devil and he will flee, right? Just stand. You will not be defeated. It will take everything that we have, but stand. 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, right? And uh, the, the idea is that we would gird our loins I don't know if you know what that means. I don't, loin only means like food, I think, you know, like some cut of meat or whatever, you know. But loins is this sacred area here where you are very vulnerable. Um, it has two different meanings, I think. One is that you could, you could take, if you had like um, some kind of garment on, you could tie it up so you could run faster. You ever seen like the old Roman fighters, you know, they would wrap their, going, their, their groin, <laughs> their uh, loins up, and then they would cinch it so they could be quick in battle because it would slow them down if they were not girded. The, the nice, cute, churchy way to say this is to put a belt on. It doesn't, it does, it means a cinch, that, but you know, you cinch everything, you, you, you get ready. Um, if you've ever seen fighters in the ring, they gird their loins, right? You don't get a hit below the belt. That's not fair. Paul says to the church, no, gird your loins um, with what? Truth. The lack of lies. That's what we do. We bind it up. Only the truth. Protecting the most precious, the most sacred, the most vulnerable places of our lives with the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. Um, next part of that verse, the breastplate of righteousness fully in place, protecting all the vital organs, right? It's the thorax. You wear it, and it's righteousness, and it's not our righteousness. I don't believe it's our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that we put on in the fight. We say, I have a chest shield made in the blood of Jesus Christ in his name, and you cannot get to me. You cannot hurt me internal organs, right? You can't do that. I have the righteousness of Christ on my chest. Um, moving on then. Uh, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I love that, right? It's almost like, like strap-on shoes or like an extra pair of sandals you put on. That's the speed of the gospel. So again, you have the girding of the loins and the truth, the speed of the gospel. You're ready to move. You're ready to, and you can start to almost hear our, our um, uh, 
friend Muhammad Ali, right? Uh, floats like a butterfly, sting like a bee, <laughs> you know? Do you hear it? You get your feet moving, you get your, your, your loins girded, you got your breastplate on, you're ready to fight, you're ready to do this. We're getting ready to, to rock. Man, oh, come on. And then it says when your, your feet are ready with the, fleet, the fleeting speed of the gospel, um, in addition to all these things, this is interesting, take up the shield of faith I think it's interesting because it's external. All this other stuff is on us. It's, it's around us. But then there's a shield of faith we pick up and we, because why? Because it can extinguish the arrows of the enemies. The flaming arrows of our enemy will be extinguished in the shield. And I don't know if you thought like I did, but I always thought it was like a little shield here. But it means a shield that like an old, um, like full body shield. Like a door. Um, like you ever see the, the SWAT dudes, right? The police officers they carry, and it's that full, it's a full shield. It's not like a little cute, I hope the arrows hit here shield. Um, it's everything protected with faith. Even our armor. The faith is in front of us, right? And I'm just gonna go through the rest of the list here. Then you put on the helmet of our salvation over our heads that we could believe and understand that we are truly saved in Jesus Christ, that would soak into the very being how we function, what we do, how we live, how we fight, how we follow, wear the helmet of salvation, and then lastly, the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is the very word of God which is an offensive weapon. Isn't that funny you say offensive right now in our, you know, what's offensive? Um, offense. <laughs> it's supposed to be offensive. It's the sword. Separates bone from marrow. That's what the word says. It can, it can get into those places of our life and it can just cut out all that, you know, evil, sin, darkness. It's like God's perfect tool, weapon. The sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. You have all this stuff. You can fight. You got it all on. You're ready to go. You got the shield. You got the sword. You got the helmet. You got the breastplate. You got girded your loins, your feet are with the gospel, and you're ready to get in the fight. You're sick of getting beat up, and you're ready to rock and roll. You're going to get some licks in. You're ready to go. Look at what... This is what I'm saying to you, church. We, we never outgrow God's solutions for us. Don't ever believe that we're going to wield this stuff of ourselves. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What's he say? 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. that funny like that cracks me up that you get all this gear on you got the helmet and the shield and the sword and you're like yeah you, you know you got there you're ready to go you got your breastplate you're ready to rock and it says and pray 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 in the spirit of god i'm in the fight of my life father i need you to intercede on my behalf It might seem strange to you. All of this equipping was given to us that we could fight. But in the end, the fight is with the, in the relationship. Don't trust in your ability to wield the sword or hold the shield of faith. 
Although you have a helmet, trust in the Lord. I love that. I love that. How counterintuitive is it to have a warrior that dressed for battle? And Paul says, are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. On your knees and pray that God makes a way. Pray that we win this fight. And the fight is real. And it's practical. And it's in our lives every day. And it's to vanquish the enemy. To repent and believe the good news. To not go on continually sinning. Right? I mean, it's real. And the results of the fight in our lives are real. We'll be proven to be his children who belonged to him, who were claimed and could not be defeated. Or we'll prove to be sons of Satan, the enemies of God, given over in this fight. It all rests on an enduring relationship with God. And I hope that you see that. This is how the underdog wins. This is how we stand. And in the end, we keep standing. Paul alludes to it in verse 10. Finally, at the end of it all, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's where we find our lives. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to um, do a couple things today, but I, I, I'm wondering, how, how is the fight going for you in your life? Do you even sense you're in it? And I know last week we t- I talked to some of you and you said, man, this is heavy stuff. This is real stuff. I'm struggling with real things. And that's what we're talking about here is real life relationship, real life struggles and a God who really loves you and has really given his son and therefore really poured out his Holy Spirit to help to save us. Not to help to save us, but to save us, to help us in our need, our distress, to help us in our battle. Oh, that we would not be the kind of Christians that would surrender to the enemy as if we don't have a warrior on our side. I don't know if you know God in that way. I don't know if you even believe he's accessible in that way, but I would encourage you this morning that if you don't know Jesus in that way, if you don't believe that he died to forgive your sins, that today you might believe it. And then I don't know if you believe that, but you kind of got those areas of your life. You're like, but this ain't ever going to be right. ain't going to be fixed because, you know, I'm just broken in that way. And God doesn't have, I think that's a lie from the liar. Let's let God in in that area. Let's, let's bind ourselves up in truth. Let's believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in our time of need. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and as, you, as we pray, um, you can pray in your own heart and just um, ask the Lord's uh, grace and mercy for us this morning. Uh, Father God, today we thank you so much for your word and for the truth of your church that is enduring the truth that this word is written so long ago to those people applies to us today. And Father, for the very real battle that we find ourselves in, we ultimately and utterly and completely depend upon you, your Holy Spirit, your intercession, your salvation, and your way forward. 
I pray, Father God, that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you in that way, that they would believe the good news today, the gospel of salvation would become true to them, that they would understand their heart, that you sent your son to live perfectly, to die, that we might be free and truly righteous in you, we might be truly righteous. And Father, for those of us who are all, the rest of us who are in the fight, who are in the battle, and those who maybe just now even said for the first time, yeah, I'm gonna believe in Jesus for salvation, that the fight is real and that we would um, just continually return to you. I pray against the enemy's uh, desire to separate us somehow from your hand, to remove us from your presence and to distance us in relationship to you. Father, for those of us who are here today who maybe have done that, we've begun to step away from you, not trusting you like we should. I pray that we would come near, that today you would draw near to us, that we might draw near to you, that you would come with your Holy Spirit and you would draw us back to you, back into that relationship of intimacy and of knowing and being known and of true love, of, tr of true love that you have for us. Father, as the church redeemed we pray against the enemy that would lie to us and tell us that um, you're not in the fight anymore. Um, help us to believe that you are. Uh, Father, for uh, the work, I pray that we'd have a real sense of your Holy Spirit's presence. I pray that whatever needs um, to be um, known in our lives, we made known that we might believe all the more until the day uh, comes. You're so good to us, and we, we um, love you so much. I give you thanks and praise uh, for your continual intercession on our behalf. May you be glorified as we seek you together. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.